from WNYC Studios. On Snap Judgment's Orbiting Hall of Justice, welcome back to Snap Judgment, the We're on a Plane episode. And you might think that you've had reason for alarm in your own past, but at our next story, a longtime friend of the show, Ray Christian. And aside from being a storytelling legend, Ray's an army man. Snap Judgment. In 1984, I was a 22-year-old young sergeant assigned to an airborne infantry battalion. We were paratroopers. I was stationed at Fort Bragg. We'd conduct night combat equipment jumps that would involve thousands of paratroopers at once. The training was dangerous, and it wasn't unusual for us to have guys severely injured or even killed during these training operations. We had young soldiers in the company that were Grenada vets, and our senior NCOs, a lot of them were Vietnam vets. Our young soldiers who were just chomping at the bit to get a chance at combat. Guys start doing drugs, guys start drinking, guys have problems with their wives, their girlfriends. Morale in the company was starting to drop. And this added up to so much stress, we had a few guys go AWOL. Me and Sergeant Ronnie were assigned to inventory the soldiers' locker and equipment who had went AWOL. It was uniforms, civilian clothing, radio cloth. And in the corner, there's this little folded bindle of aluminum foil. Unfolded, and I saw inside were two small stamps with stars on them. Whoa, acid? Nah. So I took one of the stamps out and I said, hey, Ronnie, put one of these in your mouth. He looked at me and he said, what is this, acid? I I figured it was acid, but I wasn't going to really take one. I was just fooling around with him, you know, put it in your mouth, just kidding with him. He looked at it for a second and said, why not? And put it in his mouth and I laughed. Now, Sergeant Ronnie was the kind of guy that was very hyper-military. He was kind of strict. He had a high-pitched voice, pretty by-the-book kind of guy. He looked at me and said, so what are you going to do? He must know something I don't know. He wouldn't, he wouldn't take acid. I just knew when he put it in his mouth, it had to be fake. Then he looked at me and said, what are you going to do? I said, hey, okay, same as you. I put one in my mouth. We take the inventory sheet, we turn it in to supply. We start heading out. And as we were walking across the parking lot, the battalion sergeant major yelled out, hey, you two guys, what are you doing? Where are you going? Oh my God, sergeant major. We said, we're heading out, sergeant major, heading home. He said, oh no, you're not. Get your gear, you're going on the jump. because we had the additional duty of inventorying this guy's equipment, we believed that we weren't gonna be involved in the jump. But, but Sergeant Major, I think, he, uh-uh, he cut me off. We need to get these shoots filled. Let's go, let's move out. So I'm starting to think about all the things that go wrong. What if I get decapitated by a suspension line? What if I get towed behind the aircraft? What if I hit some equipment on the ground? I was starting to immediately feel fear and apprehension. 
if we would have said something like even slightly hesitant about, about being on a jump, it would have seemed suspicious. We call people who are not on jump status legs, and that's a dirty word. I would rather have died than turned down being on a jump. I wasn't going to be a leg. I was going to jump. I looked at Ron and I said, man, how you feel? He said, man, I don't feel nothing, but this is bad anyway. When we were on the trucks headed to the, the pack shed, this is at the Air Force Base, I started having this feeling right then and there that everybody on the truck was staring at me. And I knew, oh, it's, it's starting to kick in now. We all pour inside the rigger shed, all 500 of us. And one at a time, we're issued parachutes as we enter inside. Once you've got your parachute on and you got all your equipment hooked up, you stand in line for the jump master's inspection. Open your ripcord protected flap, hold, squat hold, recover, turn, bend, arch your back, tick, tap, 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 tick, tap, tap, turn, turn, squat, hold. I actually started saying that out loud, you know, squat, hold, squat, hold. I was just saying it because I thought I, I should. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, if I do that, people will think I'm high. But if I act like I'm not high, they'll think I'm high. Slowly, all the guys in line started getting their parachutes inspected, and we take a seat. I wanted to sit down, but I kept standing up. I kept walking around, and that was unusual. I started to think about how many thousands of paratroopers have been in this building preparing for a jump, and I was inspired to just yell out for everyone to hear, how many paratroopers have been in this place? I started thinking about there were ghosts, maybe, still impregnated in the memories of the building and in the walls. And I yelled that question out, too. Are there any ghosts in the walls? When I was startled by two, well, what looked to be two World War II era paratroopers coming out of the walls, I couldn't help but walk closer to it, but on closer inspection, it was just a pattern of old paint scuffs on the wall. That's when I started to notice that other people were starting to stare at me, staring at them, and a few even laughed at me. And that's where I saw Ronnie. He was already rigged, sitting on the floor, crying, tears coming down his cheeks. To me, it was like a river of water. I asked Ronnie how he was doing. Ronnie looked at me, and he just started to cry, and people noticed. I went to him, and I said in a soft, loud voice, Man, get yourself together. You are an American paratrooper. Do you know what our brothers have done before you? Act like a damn man. Get it together. And I started singing. And I'm not a singer. And I'm singing these corny airborne songs that they, they force on us. Gory, gory, what a hell of a way to die. Gory, gory, what a hell of a way to die. Gory, gory, what a hell of a way to die, and he ain't gonna jump no more. And uh, I remember somebody yelling out, oh, that's pretty damn appropriate, Sergeant Christian. It's really appropriate. Ronnie stared. I reached out and I wiped his eye. A little tear was coming from it, and I helped him up. 
and then he assisted me in rigging my chute. Once everybody's inspected, we stand up and we all march out toward the back of the airplane. The only thing you can see inside a C-130 at night like that is this, the red jump light above the uh, jump door and down on the floor, and there's this hum of the plane. Mm. Uh, usually the guys sleep, but I didn't. I was just focused on the light. I mean, it was beautiful. An Air Force pilot turns on the green light, go. Door opened up, and the wind rushed in. Normally you really feel the impact of the prop blast hitting you and you twist into the night sky, but I don't know, I had the sensation that I just jumped into a big old marshmallow cloud and I just floated out. The stars were starting to twinkle. The moon smiled at me. The parachutes billowing across the drop zone. It looked like ghosts. They were just floating and dancing. And uh, I could hear everything, every sound. Threw my arms out, looked up like Jesus. Started contemplating the nature of the universe. God, it was just beautiful. It's probably the best jump I ever had. I loved it. I loved it. Seemed like it took me forever to reach the ground. I landed in a sandy pile amongst the pine trees and thickets. The guy landed close to me and he hit the ground like a sack of potatoes and he gave out an oh. And I just yelled out across the whole drop zone, this is beautiful. And it just echoed. I know everybody heard that, but I couldn't help myself. It was beautiful like those other parachutes that were billowing across the drop zone. It looked like a woman in a dress. Through the darkness, I heard this sound, and I, I recognized it as the sound of vomiting. And instead of going to the assembly area, I followed that sound, and that led me to Sergeant Ronnie. And there he was, sitting on the ground, vomiting. And he was crying, softly. And I was thinking to myself, he must be having a bad trip. And that's when I decided I wanted to sing to him. We're all Americans and proud to be guardians of honor and liberty. Some flying gliders to the enemy. Some come down as paratroopers. The next morning when I woke up, the company commander who I always try to avoid because of his manner, when he saw me, he said to me, you know you need to go see the battalion commander. He wants to talk to you about your behavior, pre-jump and on the drop zone. So the battalion commander doesn't speak to me. People in my rank don't usually get a chance to talk to him. And I go into the battalion commander's office. All the senior officers in the battalion were present. That kind of a group usually means something bad. You're getting some kind of a ugly reprimand. 
and I was scared as hell. And he said, Never have I seen such an unselfish act as a man motivating his fellow paratroopers, sticking with a scared, nervous man during every phase of the operation, even on the drop zone. Sergeant Christian, you are the personification of an American paratrooper. Keep up the good work. Airborne. I said, thank you, sir. Airborne. I can remember shaking my head as I was walking away from his office going, damn, I, I was completely dumbfounded. I, I, what just happened? It was like the blade didn't cut my head, but it fell. In the mornings when all the units are doing physical training and they run up and down our Dan Street, there are the loudspeakers where they play nothing but non-stop military martial music. And these old airborne songs are the ones that you hear. And when they would come across the speakers, we would all start singing them really loud to Sergeant Ronnie. And you know, much to his chagrin. Sergeant Ronnie, you were scared on the drop zone, man. Sergeant Ronnie, what's up? You lost your nerve. You was having problems, Sergeant Ronnie? And he'd be running with his butt cheeks really tight. He was too stiff and too anal to respond. Up to that point, everything, all of our encounters were always serious. And we really didn't have anything to joke about. There was nothing funny. I had my boys back again. They were back in their spirit. Big thanks to Ray Christian, who is a storyteller living in Boone, North Carolina. Now do yourself a favor. Subscribe to his podcast, What's Ray Say? It'll be available on our website or wherever you get your podcast, snapjudgment.org. Do that. The original score and sound design was by Leon Wanimocho. That story was produced by Adiza Egan. About that time, and if you missed even a moment of Snap Storytelling Magic, you know what to do. Get the Snap Judgment Podcast wherever you get your podcast and know this. It is risen. An all-new season of Snap Judgment presents Spook, presented in partnership with Luminary Media. Subscribe to all the things that are going on. I'd love to tell you what I really think. Hit me on the Twitter, the Instagram, who be new best friends. Snap Judgment is brought to you by the team that claps every single time the plane lands. Throw some peanuts at the Ooh producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. Captain Cindy Miller, Anna Sussman, Renzo Gorio, Shayna Sheely, Liz Mack, Eliza Smith, Leon Morimoto, Lauren Newsom, Marissa Dodds, Flo Wiley, Nancy Lopez, John Facile, Nika Singh, Teo Decott. And even though this is not the news, no way is this the news. In fact, you could sit next to the big star in first class on your next trip, pitch your script, have him say yes, only to realize that, hey, hey, this is not first class. That guy doesn't even look like Matthew McConaughey, though he did promise to be right back with your luggage. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC.